Good morning. Welcome to Eastern Shore Baptist Church's podcast. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm so thrilled that you have decided to tune in this week. I certainly hope that today's message will be both encouraging to you, but also I pray that it will be convicting. You can find out more about our church by visiting www.myesbc.net. God bless you and look forward to seeing you soon at church. I thought about coming up here and just saying we're done. We can go home. I'd say the only thing that's more powerful than Randy's voice is God's word. I uh, wrote this sermon. Uh, I, I pray that I was inspired. This sermon that God's voice uh, certainly spoke to me. And uh, I, I pray that it will speak to you as well. If you will, you can fill in this very first blank that loving your enemy can be frustrating but fruitful. Loving your enemy can be frustrating but fruitful. Now, I will say this. I, I, I said this in the last sermon. I really can't think of anybody in my life that I would say is an enemy of mine. Uh, I really can't. However, uh, I, I definitely, uh, like you, can probably think of people that are difficult. Uh, people that are hard to sometimes get along with. People that may see differently than you. Uh, they may come from a differing background than you do. Uh, and so maybe you don't necessarily, are, are, maybe you're not dealing with an enemy per se, but maybe you are dealing today with difficult people. And so this morning, I would say this, that loving that difficult person, it can be frustrating, but it can also be fruitful. Uh, over the past several weeks, I've been reading through the Old Testament book of Numbers. And it's interesting because Moses is one of my very favorite characters in the Bible, certainly one of my more favorite characters in the Old Testament. And what's interesting about Numbers is you see Moses who's leading the Israelites through the desert trying to make it to the promised land and yet constantly throughout uh, this journey through the desert with them he is uh, confronted with people that are very uh, interested in only bringing conflict to the table. If you go back and you look uh, through the book of Numbers, you'll see that Moses is dealing co- with conflict at, at every turn. He, he deals with people that are complaining that they actually had to leave uh, Egypt in the first place. They're sort of mad that God brought them out of Egypt, set them free, liberated them, and then plopped them in the desert. Then they get upset uh, because the food isn't very good. They, they get upset over the menu that God has provided for them. Then they get upset that there's not enough water, okay? And so God provides that. Then they get upset uh, about Moses' wife. They didn't think Moses' wife was good enough to come along. So at every single turn, you've got Moses dealing with very difficult people. Uh, There was even a a, a small rebellion, if you will, that was trying to usurp Moses' leadership. And yet all along the way, Moses is dealing with this. Certainly he didn't realize he was dealing with it in a Christ-like way because Christ had not come yet, but he's certainly dealing with it in a very godly way. Every time he deals with conflict, every time he deals with these difficult people, Moses responds in a very loving, compassionate, and caring way. At at every turn, Moses goes before God and says, Lord, please help us. Find us food. Lord, please help us. Deliver to us water. Lord, forgive my sister for trying to take over and have authority. I mean, at every turn, Moses is just loving. And now, some thousands of years later, we're the beneficiaries of Moses' leadership. In many ways, we, we now can look back at what Moses did and we can say to ourselves, wow, this is how we should love. I would say you don't necessarily love the Moses way. I would say you love the Jesus way. Now, what's really fascinating when you start talking about uh, people that are difficult, have you ever noticed that I am never the difficult one? It's always someone else. Have you ever noticed that? I have. And at every turn, whenever I deal uh, with, with people, uh, it's always their fault, never mine. 
Uh, They're always the one that's being difficult, not me. And yet, when you go to Scripture, you come across Colossians chapter 1. It's not listed for you, but I'll read it to you. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, and it says, And you, we are the the you, Paul's words, and you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in the body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Uh, Another really short way of saying verse 21 is, and you were, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, some translation actually say we were enemies of God. We we were the enemies. God was not. We were. And yet, because of Christ's death on the cross, we've been reconciled through God. Not by any work that what we've done. We've not achieved some glorious victory by our our good behavior. No, no, no. It's all about Jesus. Jesus has reconciled us to God through his death, through his uh, sacrifice on the cross. So I think when we begin to read Luke chapter 6, verses 32 and 36, we're not talking about some other group of people. We're really talking about ourselves. And we're looking at the model, the example of which Jesus loved us. And so this morning, if you will, you can turn to Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 36. And I'll read uh, God's word from the English Standard Version this morning. Verse 32, Jesus' words, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Verse 34. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Verse 35, the transition statement. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So this morning, I want to give you four commands that I believe Jesus is telling us concerning our enemies. Now, I will say this. I'm not just going to tell you to go love your enemies. I really want to hopefully give you some practical advice on how you can love your enemies or those difficult people every single day. Because sometimes it's not just good enough to say, go do something. That's easier said than done. Clearly, Jesus here is talking easier said than done, right? But Jesus somehow was able to do it. So now we have to employ some of the example, the model of Christ in our own life to do this each and every day. G.K. Chesterton, look what he said. He said, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also love our enemies, probably because generally they are the same people. (laughs) It's true. Generally, our Neighbors, and sometimes our enemies, are sometimes the same people. The other day, I, I was getting my car, uh, my wheels changed on my car. I was over here at Tire Engineers, and they were taking a little bit longer than usual. And so I was sat down and said, well, I guess I'll wait. And I came across the People's Court. Anybody ever watch the People's Court? That is a fascinating show. I have not watched the, the, the People's Court. Uh, it, it was Wapner on People's Court? Is that who? I think it's been probably since the 80s since I've watched the People's Court. But, but there were these two people, and they had once been friends, and they were currently neighbors, and they had gotten sideways with each other. So naturally, they wanted to handle it in the Christ-like way, which is get on national TV and air it out for everyone to hear. That is not exactly the Jesus way. But I will say this, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also our enemies probably because they are generally the exact same 
person. So let's look at Roman numeral one. I would say this, if you look at verse 32, I believe Jesus is telling us to show love to the unlovable. Show love to the unlovable. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Which means we have the challenge of finding these unlovable people and wrapping our, our hearts and our minds around them. Now, this means that we have to bear with each other. This means that we have to, to get over those, those slights and those words that these people give to us and that somehow we've got to punch through to, to be able to, to, to display Jesus to them. We show love to the unlovable. So a practical tip, if you will. When you think about unlovable people, and I'm going to come to this at the very end, so don't wait, you know, it's not going to wait too long. But a practical tip for this is this, to pray for our own heart. Pray for our own heart. So anytime you're dealing with a difficult person, pray for yourself first. Pray for yourself first. One of the points I made in uh, the last sermon that I made it was this, that many times hurt people hurt people. You ever heard that expression before? Hurt people hurt people. And when hurt people hurt people, right, that that should be something that we should expect. So when we come across that unlovable person who may be saying all types of difficult things about us, and maybe they've hurt us or abused us, we can look in their life and understand that those people have probably been hurt themselves. They've probably been abused themselves. So instead of seeing the person, we should see the pain, and the only way for us to be able to see the pain is sometimes we have to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, please take off these glasses, these human glasses that I'm looking through the world through. Please take those off and Lord Jesus, put on your eyes on my face so instead of seeing the person, I can see the pain that they are operating under. And when you start seeing the pain that people are operating under, you don't hate them. You don't have malice towards them. Rather, you feel badly for them. You feel pity for them. You empathize with them. You sympathize with them. And you want to help them. So our first step, really, in dealing with an unlovable person is to say, Lord, change the way I see that person. So we, we ask the Lord to pray for our own heart. And then secondly, pray for them. Feel that Fill that little blank in. Pray for them. We should absolutely be praying for them. Of course, throughout Scripture, we see Jesus telling us to pray for our enemies. Pray for them. Love them. Even those people that persecute us, we should operate by praying for them. One thing that I've noticed when I run across difficult people from time to time is that the more I pray for them, the more the Lord changes my heart towards them. I start seeing the good in them rather than the flaws. I start seeing the good in them rather than the issues that they bring to the table. So when we talk about loving the unlovable, we certainly are to operate under what Jesus tells us in verse 32. Not only to love those people that love us, but love those that don't love us. We should pray for our own heart, asking God, God, change the way I see the world. Change the way I see this person so that I can see past their pain. But also, Lord, I pray for myself. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, look at what it says, Paul's words, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Now, I would say this, that if the Lord expects us to forgive one another, those of us that call us Christians, brothers and sisters, I would probably say that as Jesus, as followers of Christ, we ought to be doing the same for the outside world, forgiving. Because how will they know Jesus if we don't ever forgive? Look at Roman numeral two. We should show love to the unlovable, but we should also show graciousness 
to the unlikable. In verse 33, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. So what do I mean when I say show graciousness? I mean kindness, show compassion, show tenderness to the people that might be an affront to you. And again, look at these practical tips, letter A and letter B. Move towards them, not away from them. Now, anytime we come in contact with an unlikable person, our natural reaction is to slink backwards, not forwards. We don't ever want to pull ourselves towards the person. And yet, if we want to to follow the model that Jesus gives to us, we have to battle that human instinct of pulling back, and we actually have to move forward. One of the great quotes that I can remember C.S. Lewis saying and attributing to him is that the best way to get rid of an enemy is to make them your friend. And I think there's a, a real reality to that. However, you can't make a friend if you're constantly pulling back from that person. So what does this mean when we talk about uh, moving towards them and not away, with, uh, away from them? This means that when you see that person in, your, in the hallway of your office, that means you don't find another corridor to go around. This means that if you get that email from them, that means you don't just hit automatically delete. That means if you see the bully in the hallway, you don't slink back and try to run away. This means that as believers, we have to engage these people every time there's an opportunity to engage them. It means that we have to move towards them, uh, whether that be that they like us or dislike us or whether we feel in our hearts that we like them or don't like them. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to well up inside of us enough that we're controlled by the Spirit and not by our sinful self, our flesh. We have to move forward towards them, not away from them. Look at letter B. We have to find specific ways to bless them and encourage them. Now, one of the ways that I like to bless and encourage people, I like to give hugs. I like to give handshakes. I like to say encouraging things. I like to try to pick out a centralized part of a person's character, and I like to highlight the positives of their character. I try to do that in every turn, at every situation that I can find, whether I like you or whether there's some part of me that may, uh, we, we may have a clashing personality. It doesn't really much matter. I'm always trying to find that positive, that good that somebody else has. Now, I have met many people that, have, that, that find it very easy to find the negative in someone instead of the positive, but I don't believe that that was the Jesus way. I believe that we should bless and encourage. This means that we should send uh, cards. It means that we should speak to one another. It means that we should handshake with one another, give hugs to one another, make sure that you're locking eyeball to eyeball and, and, and allowing that relationship to take place even if it is a difficult one to have. Practically speaking, Proverbs 15 verse 1 is one of my favorites. It says, a soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. My goodness, I think many of us have been on the harsh word side of things and we've gotten in our feelings too many times. But I believe that if we go the Jesus way that we would allow our mouths to be controlled much more through the power of the Holy Spirit than allowing whatever comes out to come out. I've said this many, many times and I say this to myself constantly. I never have to apologize for the words I don't say. You ever thought about that? I never have to apologize for the words I don't say. Generally, though, I have to apologize a lot for the things that I do say. 
And so sometimes it's good to count to 10. Uh, another really great trick that I've uh, learned is that sometimes when I deal uh, with someone that's a difficult person, it's okay to step back, take some time, count to 10, take a breather, give it a day. Have you ever gotten that harsh email, that critical email, where someone says something mean or negative about you or about your job performance, about how you look, or, or, or about the, the direction your life may be going? And the, the temptation is to fire off a mean negative one right back. We, we generally reflect what's been given to us. I would say this, take some time, ponder it, think about it before you react. Let's look at Roman numeral number three. We have show love to the unlovable. We have show graciousness, tenderness, kindness, compassion to the unlikable. Roman numeral three is this, show generosity to the uncharitable. Show generosity to the uncharitable. In Luke chapter six, verse 34, and it says this, Jesus' words, and if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. One of the great stories since I've been here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church actually comes uh, from a staff person. I don't want to say what staff person it is because it might embarrass them. But we had a gentleman that had shown up to our church. And many of you probably saw this, uh, this clip that was rolling around on the internet the other day about a, about a young man who was uh, so committed to going to work. Did you see this? That he, was, he walked like 20 miles uh, to get to work. You remember that part? And his boss gave him a car, gave him his car, like it was a Ford Escape. And it was this really wonderful, beautiful uh, piece of video. Well, we actually had a similar circumstance happen here about two or three years ago. We had a guy show up to our church. And he had just gotten out of jail, believe it or not. And uh, he came and he was attending and one of the, he, he kind of went missing for a little while. We, we couldn't seem to find him, couldn't lay, uh, couldn't lay our ears or eyes on him. And so we began to make some phone calls, and it turned out that he had kind of moved a bit of a distance away. And so one of our staff people called him and said, hey, listen, we've been missing you. We, we really would love you for you to come to church. And this gentleman said, well, I'd love to come to church, but the problem is, is I don't have a car. I've got no way to get there. I, I, I basically am walking myself to work each and every day, and the church is just too far for me to walk. And, and he said that what makes matters worse is there's really not a church that's anywhere real near where I am. So e even if I'm walking to work, I, I don't have a church that I can stop at, which is funny because there seems to be a church on every corner, right? And so this staff member uh, says, you know what, I'm going to pray for you, which, by the way, is our general response right? Oh, I'm going to pray for you. And we expect generally when we say, hey, I'm going to pray for you after hearing that problem, we are praying in our hearts, Lord, take care of this person's need, but through some other means than myself. Right? I mean, am I right on that? I think I am. Lord, solve this person's problem, but solve it in some other avenue than working through me to be the blessing. And so uh, the staff person hangs up the phone and he begins to pray for this person. And I think he even told me that it was through this prayer. I mean, Lord bless this person through some other means. And the Lord came to this, uh, this person, uh, I want you to fix this one. <laughs> and this staff person was like, uh, huh, come again? And the Lord spoke to him and said, yes, I, I really want you to solve this problem, I've given you the ability to buy this man a car. And so after a few days, one of our staff members picks up the phone, calls this gentleman and says, hey, you know what? 
Uh, if you need a car, I've got it covered. I'm going to take care of it. Buys him a car. And so now this guy can get to work. He can go to church. Sadly, he's moved away. But he's still using that vehicle to, to make it to work, to make it to church, to do those things. And see, this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about give generosity to the uncharitable. Now, I'll say this. This man that, that was given this car was not an uncharitable person. However, he was a person that could not repay what this staff member did. And in many, in many times in our minds, we look at people and we say, well, I'm willing to give to that person as long as I can receive something back. Whether it be a big thank you or some kind of applause, there was really no way that this person could ever have repaid the gift and yet Jesus is saying, I'm not even talking about the people that are uh, unable to repay. I'm talking about people that will never, ever say thank you. People that will never, ever give you a pat on the back or give you an applause. Now, I've been doing church work for 20 years. Been doing 20, about, about 20 years I've been doing practical, everyday, vocational church work. And, and what I've noticed is I've heard this from church people before. Right After a big event or, or um, after some type of, of big show, I'll hear people, I'll hear church people say, they didn't even thank me. They, they didn't even acknowledge me. Now, I'll say they should have thanked you and they should acknowledge you. But I will remind you of this. Are you doing it for them or are you doing it for the Lord? Because if you're doing it for the Lord, the only thing that matters is the fact that he is applauding you. The only thing that matters is he is excited about what you have given back. It doesn't matter if, we, if we're doing something for the applause of people or men or women. All that matters is are we doing something to grow the kingdom of God? Sometimes we, me, Stuart, can be of the uncharitable kind. <laughs> I can be of the less giving kind. And so this morning, I, I would remind you of what Proverbs chapter 11 Verse 24 and 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer, and another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. You ever heard that, that, that uh, statement, well, the grass is greener on the other side? You ever heard that? I heard a pastor rephrase that one time. He said, the grass is greener where you water it. And that is a fact. The grass is greener where you water it. I just spoke to a pastor friend of mine, and he is at, albeit, a difficult church up in North Alabama, and he's been suffering and languishing there in that church now for just about a year. And he told me, he said, Stuart, I've just about had it. I'm almost ready to quit. I'm almost ready to toss in the towel and leave it all behind. And I said, oh, brother, don't do that. And I began to ask him some questions, and the reality is, is he has kind of fallen back into this trap of instead of engaging people, he's pulling back. Instead of being charitable, he's not being very charitable. Instead of being generous, he's not being very generous. Instead of being lovable, he's almost becoming unlovable himself. And I, and I actually said, listen, I, I'm guilty of this. I know what it feels like. But the reality is we have to continue to engage. Roman numeral number four. So we should show love to the unlovable, graciousness to the unlikable, generosity to the uncharitable, and show grace to the unforgivable. And first of all, I would also say that no one is unforgivable. No one is unforgivable. 
In Luke chapter 6, verses 35 through 36, listen to Jesus' words. He says, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Of course, the classic piece of Scripture when you're talking about giving forgiveness is Jesus on the cross. When Jesus is hanging naked, beaten, as he's bleeding, and as the soldiers are casting lots for his clothing, Jesus' Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. If there was one thing that you would think would be unforgivable is actually hanging Jesus on the cross. You would think that would be the one unforgivable thing, and yet Jesus offers even those men forgiveness. No one is truly unforgivable. We should be able to forgive anything and any offense that's been given to us. A couple practical tips, letter A and B. We should give grace as God gives grace. Freely, openly, without strings attached. Be a forgiver. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, preacher, that sounds really good. But but it sure is hard to forget. I didn't say it was easy to forget. And I'll be honest with you, chances are you won't forget because we're human. But just because you didn't forget doesn't mean you can't forgive. Uh, A story that I've told in here before of one of my favorite people, a gentleman by the name of Harold and his wife, Helen Hancock. Uh, They served on staff with me back when I was at First Montgomery. A few years before I arrived, their daughter was killed on I-65. She was heading north. And sadly, a a truck driver, an 18-wheeler truck driver, there was construction on the road, and it had been narrowed down to a single lane. And this truck driver had been driving for 18 hours straight and had fallen asleep at the wheel. The truck driver ran ran headlong into Harold and Helen's daughter, and it killed her instantly. What made it even more tragic is she was also carrying Helen and Harold's grandchild. And that grandchild died on impact. You can imagine as a parent would be grieving over such a tragic loss, senseless, needless, a negligent loss. And yet it made national news when Harold and Helen Hancock entered into that courtroom. They had been by to see that truck driver who before this experience was not a believer in Christ. Helen and Harold went in to the prison and they sat down with that truck driver and they shared Jesus Christ with that truck driver. They told that truck driver that they loved him. And that truck driver was so moved by the forgiveness that Helen and Harold had offered them that he embraced Jesus Christ as his Savior. Then, at that point, as they went into the courtroom, as this, as this judge was thinking about what kind of sentence uh, that he could deliver uh, to this truck driver, it was Helen and Harold Hancock who stood up and they begged, they pleaded the judge to let this truck driver go because this truck driver had two small children of his own at home. And they pleaded with the judge, listen, we've been deprived of our daughter and our grandson. Please don't deprive this man of their, uh, this man of his children, his children, their father. And so the judge also being so moved by the forgiveness that Helen and Harold Hancock had offered him, they said he let him go with probation. Can you imagine the amount of forgiveness that it must have taken. Now, as I know Helen and, Her- uh, Helen and Harold, I- I'll tell you this, there's probably not one day that goes by that they don't think about the daughter that they lost. 
There's probably not one day that they don't think about the life of that grandchild that will never exist here on planet Earth, but exists in eternity. There's not one day, I'm sure, that they don't wonder what life could have been if that truck driver had not been so negligent. And yet, even though they haven't forgotten it, they still live under the umbrella of forgiveness that Jesus Christ provides, the example that he gives to us on the cross. Oh, we're going to be slighted. We're going to be wronged. We're going to be hurt. But I would say this, no offense should be an unforgivable offense. We should give grace as God gives grace. Look at letter B. We should also realize, we should also realize that you, I, that I can be the difficult person in someone else's life. We should also realize that we can be the difficult people in someone else's life. Now, I must confess, I must confess, because I'm human, I know that I've probably been difficult. (laughs) But I will say this, it is never my intention to ever be difficult, ever. And I know probably most of us, if we're sitting in this room, we're maybe scratching our head thinking, boy, have I been that difficult person? Have I been the person that Stuart's talking about? Trust me, I, I'm more on the other side than on the Jesus side many times in my life. I, although I try to go the Jesus way. But I will say this. Uh, it's my goal when I wake up every morning to try to be more like Jesus. To try to live more like Jesus. To speak more like Jesus. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient Love is kind, and it keeps no records of wrongs. Keeps no records of wrong. My last point would be this, to pray and love the Jesus way. Live in grace. Live in forgiveness. Again, another pastor, a friend of mine, said this many, many years ago to me, and I've really tried to operate Uh, through these words is this. He said, Stuart, you need to give grace. You need to be a graceful person because one day you are going to need grace. Think about that. Stuart, you need to give grace because one day you are going to need it. And trust me, (laughs) I've needed lots of grace (laughs) over the years and probably so have you.